If you have your Bibles, turn over to Mark chapter 1 today. Mark chapter 1, we've been in that series. Um, we've, we've seen how Jesus has commenced his earthly public ministry. Um, and uh, Mark moves quickly. Remember, every time you see something, he says, and immediately they went here, and immediately they went there. Uh, life's rushing by pretty quickly here in Mark's gospel. But uh, we find Jesus uh, on a Sunday morning after a busy Sabbath of healing. He gets up, he takes off, and he finds a solitary place somewhere outside of Capernaum in the countryside. We don't know where that was, but uh, he found a place away from everyone to uh, commune with his heavenly Father. And if you have your Bibles, I'm looking at verse 35 and following chapter 1 in Mark's Gospel. In the early morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and, praying, and was praying there. Simon and his companion, companion searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. He said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee preaching and casting out the demons. Now, we're talking about Jesus finding a lonely place at a time when um, our mental health professionals tell us that we are in a crisis, uh, a mental health crisis in our nation, and that loneliness is the number one mental health crisis that Americans face. And that was true before COVID hit, just so you know that loneliness, anxiety, depression, suicide had become uh, a, a huge problem for Americans before we were forced into isolation and quarantine. And so imagine how that's going to play out over the next months. The church and mental health professionals are going to have a lot to do to help our country in the, in the months to come. And you know, it's ironic considering that God designed you and I for meaningful relationship, right? If you go back to Genesis, you see that immediately God creates man for fellowship with himself, and then he creates woman, and he establishes family for us to have relationship with one another. And we know that there is a relationship within ourselves that we have, and yet so many people feel isolated and lonely, and what happens is when people don't bond and attach to other people in healthy ways, in their hearts when they feel lonely, they do things that aren't so healthy, right? They form addictions. They form unhealthy relationships. I mean, even in our trafficking ministry, it's amazing that these, these girls who most of them probably aged out of the foster system, never had a decent family, some trafficker finds them, beats them up, beats them into subjection, puts them into this awful life, and after time, though, she forms this sick connection and dependency and relationship with her trafficker to the point that when the police come, oftentimes she initially will defend them over wanting to get free. But we were designed for relationship. And somebody might say, well, well, is that a part of our sinful fallen nature that we want to be with people, that we want to have companionship, that we want to, you know, find people, a, a life companion and marry? Is that sinful? Is that a part of our sinful nature after the fall? No. Think about it. Go back to Genesis. The desire for relationships was put in us, the very image of God, 
before sin ever entered the world. You remember, here's Adam out there. He's naming all the animals. Look, you know, you remember Genesis, the story. Um, Eve hasn't been created yet. He's seeing all these other, you know, animals paired up and having companionship and so forth. And God looks down and he sees that Adam is alone. He notates that Adam feels loneliness for the first time. And God says it's not good for the man to be alone. Let us make a helper suitable for him, a companion suitable for him. And so that all happened before sin and the fall. We are created in the image of God. And there are some of those desires that we have that are truly godly and a part of being created in that image. And the, and the desire for meaningful relationships is one of those. So no, it's not wrong. It's not a part of, part of our fallen nature. We should have those. Now, in our passage this morning, we see that Jesus leaves people, and he leaves relationships behind. He finds a secluded place to be alone in prayer. And I hope you don't see this as a contradiction of what I've just said, that we're created for meaningful relationships. Because who is Jesus going out there to commune with? His heavenly Father. He saw that as his most important relationship, his primary relationship, the relationship with the Father, and so should we. The most important one that we have, the one that supersedes all others, is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And it was no different for Jesus himself when he was here on earth. He often said the Son only does what he sees the Father doing. There in uh, John's gospel, he says that I and the Father are one. To, to see me is to have seen the Father. To know me is to know the Father. He had that intimate, close, and personal relationship with his heavenly Father. But it's also true, folks, that we have a relationship with ourself. And that's where our mental health comes in. And I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not going to try to become one. But I'm just saying that as important as it is for us to understand from the Bible who God is, that's our theology... The Bible is also concerned that we understand who we are as created by God, and that's our biblical anthropology. And that's what I love about the Scriptures. It tells us who we are in God. And it's just important what God says about us is what he says to us. And that happens in prayer. It is important that we love ourselves. It becomes immediately important in the great commandment that you are to love others as you love who? Yourself. God intends for you to have an esteem, a regard for yourself that understands that you're created in his image, a little, uh, a little above the angels. You, you are a special creation of God. When he created all those other things in Genesis, he said it's, it's good. But when he created man and woman, he said it's very good. We are a special creation of God, and we, we are image bearers, and we should have that sense, not a pride and not an arrogance, but certainly a confidence in our value. We should value ourselves because only as we value ourselves can we truly love and have the capacity to love others deeply, right, in any relationship. Relationships that are in trouble, if you'll if you go to the core of it, it's a, one of those people in that relationship have an incapacity for love because they don't have a proper value and an understanding of who they are as created by God. And since we were created for fellowship with God, prayer is the way that our spirit can commune with the invisible living Lord. The spiritual giants of the past called this, this spiritual practice of getting away with God's solitude. It's not just going out there and setting and, and, and chanting or humming. It's going out there somewhere 
whether it's closing the closet door, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, or going to this solitary place like he did, and being with your heavenly Father and knowing that you're not alone. You're never alone there. Solitude is purposely being alone with God himself. Loneliness may be America's biggest mental health crisis, but being alone is a very different thing. You see, loneliness is a state of mind. If you're by yourself and you feel loneliness, you're not happy. If you're by yourself and with the Lord and you want to be with the Lord and yourself, that's solitude and you're happy. There's a difference and we must understand the difference and we must understand that people are experiencing loneliness, but we need them to to commune with that heavenly father and to know that they're never alone and that that is solitude. I think it's noteworthy that in Mark's short gospel, he records seven distinct times that Jesus came apart from the crowds, came apart, left his disciples, and found some lonely place to commune with his heavenly father and with himself. That's important to me. He, he, he left those crowds, and, and we sense that these times of solitude were crucial to Jesus for him not only understanding his unique nature as the son of God, but his unique mission as the Savior who would die on the cross for our sins. He, he came to understand more and more about his mission as he communed with the heavenly Father. You know, when we are away, it helps us stay grounded in what is of eternal importance. It, it gives us that chance to hear the still, small voice of God as Elijah did there as he got away from the crowds and he got away from those prophets of Baal and he was on that mountainside and finally, you know, he didn't hear it in the, in the lightning that struck the mountain and the windstorm that tore the mountain apart, but he heard the voice of the Lord in the still, small voice when all of the noise and the clutter had passed. And I think sometimes you and I live in a, in a world where we're continually stimulated. You know, we're, we're just emotionally and, and, and audibly and visually stimulated all the time. The TV's running. The phone's dinging. We're, we're on Facebook. We're, we're with people. We're never alone sometimes. And I don't think that's healthy, do you? I think we need those times to be away from one another. Attention deficit disorder is a malady of a lot of children in our culture, but I would say it's a malady of our whole culture right now that we're just, just over-inundated with information. And I think a lot of this anxiety and this, uh, this depression that people are having is because every time you turn on the news, what are they going to tell you? Are they giving you a lot of good news on there? No, they thrive on bad news. They thrive on the next crisis, the killer, the killer hornets or whatever it is, you know? I... I I don't know what's next, but uh, somebody had a picture of sharks out in a wheat field and said, if those hit, I'm out of here, you know. Uh, But we're over-inundated, and and we need that time alone. Though some of us feel like we've experienced enough quarantine and loneliness to last a lifetime, there is value in taking time away to get perspective and to hear the voice of God and to to just be quiet and to be still and know that he is God. Uh, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you work that into your life, whether that's a fishing trip or a hunting trip or a mushroom hunting trip. I don't know how you do that, where you do that, but I'm advocating that you do that. Even if you've been in quarantine, even those four walls, you can get cabin fevered. You need new, you need new perspective and new places to see. Some of you have noticed that I've recorded a couple of videos from Roaring River State Park lately. Anybody seen those? 
well, that's one of the favorite places of my childhood. I went home to see mom and dad for a little bit, check on them. I uh, rode the motorcycle down to Roaring River, and I got off, and I thought, this is a beautiful place. It's a place that I went as a, lot, a lot as a child, caught a lot of fish there. Mom cooked a lot of neat, good meals there out of the camper for us. Uh, it's just a place that seems timeless, and uh, my soul is at peace there. And it, it's a place where I can slow down and just kind of um, hear, hear God's voice for a change. Um, here a while back, um, last fall, um, I had a friend going through a tough time out in Colorado Springs. He's the guy that I that I elk hunt with, and uh, we didn't get to go. I, we didn't go elk hunting that year. They they had got a, a hunt on a private land that we couldn't get into, and I just had the the cancer surgery and was still kind of recovering from that. But I still wanted to go, and I just felt like I'd been busy and you know up to here with stuff and people and deadlines and and so I I got online. I found a round trip ticket on Frontier for 130 bucks proud of myself located all the cheap airbnbs that weren't 401 uh, something friendly that means they're marijuana friendly i found the ones that weren't that whatever that is uh uh 429 or whatever it is and uh, because i didn't want to walk out of there smelling like you know uh, uh hashish or whatever but um anyway i went ahead flew out found the rental car met with my friend I uh, was able to encourage him a little bit. Took that drive, you know, around through Buena Vista, Twin Lakes. You ever been by Twin Lakes? Anybody? Gorgeous, most place God has ever created. I mean, uh, went that road over Independence Pass, and then the backside, I came in the backside of Aspen, and then ended up at, uh, of all places, uh, Silverthorne at a hotel that my wife and I had stayed in in 1984, the year we ran out there. And... Uh, it just was a good trip because, it, 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 you know, when you go somewhere else, whether it's a mission trip or a different place than you've ever been, you always see home a little differently, don't you? You always see your situation back home with a little clearer vision, little little clearer eyes. And that's what it was good for. You know, I was still kind of wrestling with why two cancers in two years and, and uh, you know, what's going on with this. And, and I just, I, I used that, that time away just to pray to meditate, to think in the car, just to put on some praise in, on the radio. And uh, whenever you go somewhere else, we see home differently in a new light. And that's healthy. Because sometimes we get to where we can't see the forest for the trees, and it's hard to make decisions. But getting away like Jesus did gives us the perspective we need on the ministry and on the future that God has with it. It helps us know how to move forward into the future, a future that God has for us. And, and I think that's incredibly important that we, that we always gather that perspective. Now, I get the sense from our passage that Jesus withdrew to pray not only to, to be spiritually renewed from a long day of healing, but to evaluate the experiences that had happened thus far and to know how to move forward. You know, someone once said that experience is the greatest teacher. And someone else a little wiser came along and said, no, evaluated experience is a great teacher. Because if you just have the experience and you don't evaluate it, you'll keep making the same mistakes in life. I like one of my financial management teachers used to say they're one of those people who like banging their head against the wall because it feels so good when they quit, Right. We don't want to be that person, but we've all known that person. We don't want to be that. And that's what getting away, that's what getting perspective does, is allows us to evaluate the experience. Prayer, honest reflection, and confession are what 
help us keep from getting, in the words of the old Dutch proverb, getting too soon old and too late smart. Right? It's true. That's why this solitude, that's why this prayer is important. In our busy, fractured lives, the difference between making a life and making a living, between just living and really living and just or existing and, and really living may be this, this solitude, this time alone with God and with self. And so I'm encouraging us to do that. Now, when Peter and the disciples find Jesus in this place of prayer, what's their, what's their response? Well, what are you doing out here? They're a little irritated with him. Everybody's looking for you. A bunch more people came to the door for healing this morning. Remember, he'd healed everybody in the village, everyone they brought to him on Saturday evening. And they're like, where, where, what are you doing out here? You know, wasting your time, you know, by this, this, in this forest or whatever. And he gets up and he, he immediately says, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came for. They, the, the common, most commentators believe that the disciples and, and the people of Capernaum would have been just more than happy they, they probably thought Jesus was just going to come back and set up shop as a country doctor and hang his shingle out right there in Capernaum and just hang out there and let people come to him for the rest of his days. But Jesus wasn't satisfied to be confined to being the country doctor. He knew that his mission was to preach the gospel to everyone who would hear and to be the, the redeemer, the savior of the entire world. And so he immediately gets up from that place of solitude and prayer and says, Let's go somewhere else. Modern-day archaeologist Josephus, uh, the early fathers, will say that there were over 200 villages and towns in, in Galilee, in northern Israel. And according to Matthew 9, Jesus visited every single one of them, preached the gospel, taught in their synagogues, and healed among them. If you look at that, Jesus knew what his mission was, and it was to go on, and it was to be with all the people Trust me, the irony isn't lost on me this morning that the passage that came up for preaching the first Sunday we're back together after weeks of quarantine is about getting more solitude. I get it. <laughs> I hope you don't hear me saying that this isn't valuable and that God doesn't speak to us through this. In fact, most of the time and ways God has spoken to me is through public worship, gathered God's people gathered around the Word of God. So I'm not saying that. I'm saying that our lives need balance. That if we've been inundated with people and deadlines and busyness, that it's time to get away and to have solitude. And I'm saying if you've been in solitude and you've been with God and you have evaluated spiritually what's been going on in your life and you know the mission, what you need to be doing, it's time to get back among people. And if that's what Jesus did, he had been out there in solitude for a few hours, but when he got up and when the disciples found him, he's like, okay, I'm back. I'm back at it. He, he got back, you know, waded right into the humanity around him and all the problems and pain of people and, uh, and reengaged the, the mission that was before him. That's all I'm saying, and I'm just encouraging us to have balance in life, to be sure that, we're, that we are maintaining that, that most important relationship, the one that you have with the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and that you're maintaining um, that, that relationship that we have with self, taking care of self, and that's not selfish. You know, um, when you're on a plane and they're giving you the little rundown of what to do in case of a, uh, you know, 
uh, depressurization of the cabin, what does the lady always say? What, what does the flight attendant always say? In the event of depressurization of the cabin, oxygen mass will drop down in front of you. Please apply yours first before seeking to help other family members. It seems selfish, but it's not, because if you pass out, you can't help anyone. <laughs> and it's the same way with self-care in terms of your spirit. It's not selfish to care for your soul so that you have something to give other people. And that's what I'm asking for. That's what I'm encouraging this morning is that kind of balance in our hearts. Let, let, let me lead us in a prayer, and then I'll, I'll dismiss this. But, Father, we thank you for the day, for your word, for those that are here. Oh, Lord, it's so good to be together, uh, to be gathered in your name with those we love. And instead of preaching just to a camera in an empty room, Lord, just to be able to interact with people, to, to make eye contact, to see, to see them respond in their heart and their eyes, and, Lord, just to worship together. This is something we do together. This isn't a spectator sport. Uh, this is what we, this is a, a sacrifice of worship and praise we lift up to you together. And I pray that it, it finds um, its place in our heart this morning, that the truth that we need, we take away to, to draw closer to you and to maintain that most important relationship, the one we have with you, Lord. We, we just come to praise you. We pray that this, uh, this worship time has been an acceptable sacrifice in your sight, O oh God. Thank you. In Jesus' name.